Welcome to Pottercast, the official podcast of the Leaky Cauldron. The Leaky Cauldron. The Leaky Cauldron. Did you hear that, Ern? The Leaky Cauldron. And now, Leaky's own Melissa and Ellie. Hey, fellow Potter fan, welcome to the fourth Pottercast. It is, or it should be, and if it's not, what took you so long? September 13th, 2005. We have a great show. First, we're debuting an extension to the Leaky Lowdown, the segment of the show where we wrap up the week's news. From now on, right after the news, you'll also get a very short discussion on the top one or two news stories from your Leaky editors. Then this week's fan interview features St- Steve Vander Ark from the Harry Potter lexicon, who qualifies not as a fan, but as a super fan. He's the guy who runs the most extensive Harry Potter Encyclopedia online, and he's got a lot of great insights and exciting details to share, including a preview of some of the new features that will soon be added to his site. Then on our modcast, Chris Rankin, who plays, Harry, who plays Percy Weasley in the Harry Potter films and is a semi-regular around here, joins moderators Lori, Aaron, and Brooke to discuss some iTunes, a lot of Dumbledore, and you'll even hear Chris's Stephen Fry impression, which quite good. Then we'll turn to our mailbag segment, which is very long this week, but for a reason. We have the results of our impersonations contest, and oh my goodness, what you all sent in. We have Groth, Moaning Myrtle, Hermione, Trelawney, and just so much more. Later this afternoon, we'll be posting a poll for you to vote on your favorite impersonations to determine who won. The winner, the winner will get an item from The Cauldron Shop, which is your top source for Harry Potter merchandise online. That's thecauldronshop.com. After that, we have extendable ears, for which we dip into the archives for a quick word with Christopher Columbus, who directed the first two Harry Potter films. Then I'll be joined by John Noe for a special sneak peek at next week's show, in which we'll start airing our long and detailed interview with Matt Lewis, who plays Neville Longbottom in Harry Potter and, the, and all the in all the Harry Potters. Now, before we get to the news, we have a couple of quick notes. The drive is still on to benefit victims of Hurricane Katrina. Last week, Leaky and MuggleNet teamed up to raise money from Harry Potter fans to assist people have been, who have been affected by this disaster. We've raised about $5,000 so far and are still going. We're also looking for companies to match the donations. Go to Pottercast.com for all the relevant links or email us at potter for katrina Potter, F-O-R, Katrina, at gmail.com. On a lighter note, a lot of you have asked, ever since we did the first one, when we would do another special edition with the boys from MuggleCast. So you can look for that, I'm happy to say, right after the Goblet of Fire trailer hits the web. Since the last um, special edition, I've come to know these guys pretty well, so it should be interesting, and I'm anticipating it'll be funny. We also want to thank Apple, who this week featured us in just a lot of ways in the Apple keynote. We were up on Steve Jobs' presentation. We were on the iPod Nano site. If you go to the iPod Nano description and click podcast, a little movie will come up and Pottercast is in the list. It's very cool. And we were also in their newsletter this week, so we don't know what we did to gain such support from Apple, but we really appreciate it. Thank you, guys. And that's it. On with the show. Over to Sue for the news. Listening to the news again? As if a normal boy cares what's on the news. Hello, everyone. This is Sue Upton with your Potter News Recap for the week. We did have quite a bit of news for you. Harry Goes Digital is our top story. Apple has announced to the joy of all that at long last all six of the Potter books are now available for download. If you would like, you can buy each of the books separately for your iPod or buy a special set of all six books at once. And this set comes with a special booklet and features previously unreleased recordings of J.K. Rowling reading from her books, which is really cool. You also have the chance to buy a special Harry Potter iPod, and a Harry Potter iPod is one that has a very nice engraved Hogwarts crest on the back of it. If you would like, you can buy these books via links in our cauldron shop. Please note that now through September 20th, 
all proceeds from anything in our shop, including these downloads, of course. All commissions from the sale of these are going towards relief efforts from Hurricane Katrina. So now's a great time to buy and help someone at the same time. J.K. Rowling did update her website to talk about these books being for sale, hoping that these will help in the battle against piracy of her books. And she's also warning her fans to be wary of so-called signed Harry Potter merchandise on sale on eBay, saying that when she checked, that for every one of the genuine signatures of hers that were out on sale there, there were at least six to ten fakes out there. So please, she's advising everyone to be wary of this and buy from reputable and authorized retailers or book dealers. Speaking of our favorite author, there was a new portrait of her revealed at the National Portrait Gallery in London this week. This was painted by artist Stuart Pearson Wright, who has also made portraits of Potter film actors John Hurt and Sir Michael Gambon that you might have seen. J.K.R. was really pleased with this portrait, saying she loved it, and it, quote, shows more of me than any photo has ever shown, end quote. It depicts the author sitting at a desk in a pretty barren room with a writing pad in front of her and a plate that has three eggs on it, which represent her three children. You can find a very nice picture of this portrait on our website, theleakycauldron.org. Turning to film news now, there were some nice new Goblet of Fire film posters which were spotted on a Paris subway. They show the trio of Harry, Ron, and Hermione, and there's also one with the trio, and there's the four champions from the Triwizard Tournament, and there's one that features Mad-Eye Moody as well. Do be sure to mark your calendars for Friday, September 16th, everyone, for WB has told us that that is when the brand new full-length trailer for Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire is coming out. Yes! It will be released as a preview in front of the film, The Corpse Bride, the new film from Tim Burton that has Johnny Depp in it, which should be pretty cool. And it's also going to be released on the web. We should have it posted on our website as soon as we can, so be sure and check it us out on Friday, September 16th. Early reports are saying that this trailer is running anywhere from two and a half minutes to three minutes in length, so be sure to check back then and we'll, we'll let you know, and I'm sure they're going to have a lot of really great and new features from the film. Well, that wraps up our new, excuse me, well, that wraps up our major news of the week. Please be sure to check out our website, theleakycauldron.org, for all the latest news and information from the Harry Potter world. And now, on with the show. Thanks, Sue, for that wrap-up. Um, I'm Melissa again. I'm here with John. Hey, John. Hey, everybody. It's John again. John, who is very qualified to talk about everything Harry Potter, as we've yes. learned. Yes, I am a brilliant mind with the Potter. He's got a lot up in there, let me tell you. Oh, yeah. Quick, John, Luna's last name. Luna Longbottom. You know... I messed up. <laughs> okay, okay, anyway, in all seriousness, we wanted to talk about some of the latest news. For instance, J.K. Rowling using her site to... To target eBay for its for its lackadaisical policies regarding collectible signed items, John, what do yeah. you think about this? I say go get them, Joe. If it if it makes some uh, brings some attention to the issue, then not only will it help with these uh, fraudulent uh, postings on eBay for her work, it may very well bring attention to it in other uh, areas where that kind of goes on. Yeah, I can't, I can't understand why a huge a huge company such as eBay, which just bought Skype for like $7 billion or something, Jeez. can't set up a method to avoid this. All you have to do is set up a verification system, and you can still allow all the listings, but they have the option of verification. So if you have an authentic, you know, you know that your autograph is authentic, just then you can get it verified, and then, then you have that many more visitors because the verified ones are preferred. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's just... I don't, I don't get why they haven't done that. And I remember, like, a year ago, I actually reported um, 
one of the uh, an option to them because it was some uh, like a, a, an ebook or I forget if it was an ebook or if it was uh, a ripped version of the audiobooks on blank CDs or something. Mm-hmm. And I think they took it down, but, you know, it, and if that's their policy that it has to be individually reported, then you're never going to have a completely clean listing because you're not going to have enough people that are going to report everything. And I can't imagine it would be that hard for them to put in filters, like any time Harry Potter is included with the word MP3 or anything like that, then that's a red flag, and then you should, they, they should not allow them to be posted. Yeah. That's the other thing, too. All this talk about the children getting scammed. I, I wasn't aware that children were allowed to use eBay. I thought that was like an age restriction or at least having to have a credit card of their own. I mean, I don't know how many kids have their own means to pay for these things like that. Yeah, that's that's another element. But, I mean, clearly there's there's a breakdown between the parent-child relationship if, if the yeah. child is using the credit card information. <laughs> on, you know. Yeah, they're good. Hey, Mom, I'm just, I'm just going to buy this this uh, signed J.K. Rowling first edition for 10,000 pounds I'm seeing on eBay right now. Oh. You don't mind, right? Yeah. <laughs> Click. <laughs> that, that kid's got a spanking coming to him. Yeah, for real. Um, <laughs> Mrs. Weasley would, for sure. She would. Mrs. Who? Mrs. Weasley. Oh, Mrs. Oh, Mrs. Weasley. Oh, John, don't even. <laughs> I don't believe you. No. I'm kidding. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so, yeah, so so let's move on, because yeah. I think we've... eBay, go get them, Joe. So anyway, our other, our other big, um, big news. topic for the week is that soon we're going to get the trailer, trailer, the second Goblet of Fire trailer. Yay, and then we can stay up all night and make our shot-by-shot comparisons. That's yes. The, that's the best. <laughs> so much fun. Great <laughs> for Screen. us. Screen grabs and book quotes. So actually, I love it when it's done. The, oh, yeah. Shot by shot. It's great when it's done. It's really annoying to put together. <laughs> <laughs> it's all for you guys, guys. It's all for you. We do it all for you. We love you all individually. So anyway, trailer, John, trailer. what do you want to see in the trailer? What are you excited about? Oh, I want to see all kinds of stuff. But I, you know, I don't want to see too much. If I wanted to see some particular things, I want to see the Voldemort scene. I really do, but I also really want to enjoy that as a whole experience at the end, because that's just going to be awesome. It's going to be like, it's like the whole big turning point for the whole series when we start yeah. to see Voldemort like that. So it's just, it's going to be a big moment. So they might take a clip of it for the trailer, but... I want a hint of, of Ray Fiennes as Voldemort, because Voldemort, even in the book, it's really hard because he is he's his character that's been built up built up so big that yeah. he can't but be a little bit caricaturish yeah. because he comes out and he does the big evil overlord monologue and you know it's hard to believe him as as real and get all his motivations in there and so I'm really looking forward to a quality actor like Ray Fiennes and when I say quality I include many things in yeah. that word really really bring everything that we know now about Voldemort to life yeah yeah, I, I don't know. I haven't heard anything, but I hope those people are actually reading the books. All right, we've got to wrap this up. This is a show this week is long already. This is a long show. So, so that's it. That's our opinion on this stuff. Clearly, very important. Yes, those are our opinions. We have opinions on stuff. John's <laughs> being less informed than mine. Yeah, so you got both ends of the spectrum. <laughs> you got smarty pants Melissa over here. I didn't say smarty pants. Yeah, that's, <laughs> I said that's it's able. I said, is able to produce Luna's last name on Q. I could produce any name on Q. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I Tom you. Riddle's mother. Tom Riddle's mother. I don't, 
Um, I don't know the damn book six <laughs> stuff yet. You said any name. Any name from the first five. Frank in book four. What's his last name? Uh, like, with the B, Bryce, Bruce, Bryce. <laughs> Very good, Bryce. Yay, Bryce. I did it. Yo, al- almost did it. Almost did it in one shot. See, I rock. Yeah, at the you trivia. rule, John. I, I'm the trivia master. Trivia master. We are going to eventually, by the way, compete against the MuggleNet boys. We are. It's going to be a blast. And you are not on my team. Uh, I'll be on another team and handicap them. <laughs> okay, so we should start padding your answers now so that you look really, really into it, and then when we, we put you on the MuggleNet team. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Okay, that's it. We really got to go. Anyway, it is time for the fan interview, and it's Steve Vander Ark, and it's awesome, and so yes, Steve, awesome. time to let them get to that. Very good at trivia, Steve is. <laughs> yes. Steve's going to be on my team. Steve can wipe the floor with anybody. Steve could be his own team. He could be his own team. He's his own team. What the hell? He should moderate. He should host. Awesome. Let's just give him the show. That's what we'll do. Okay. See you next time. Okay. Bye. Pottercast is brought to you by the Leaky Cauldron, your top spot for Harry Potter news on the web. It's also made possible by Streamload.com. Streamload is a site that helps you meet the demands of the new digital communications era without owning or administrating a website or doing anything that technophobes generally fear. For $10 a month, you'll get unlimited space to hold all your photos, your movies, and whatever files you want. And then you'll have 10 gigabytes of download space so that you can share it with your friends and your family. Now, 10 gigabytes is about 300 of these podcasts. We've been using Streamload on the Leaky Cauldron for over a year, and we've never had a problem. We think they're great. It's really easy to use. Streamload.com. It's freedom for your digital lifestyle. Warning. If you have not yet read Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, proceed with caution. There are spoilers afoot. And now, it's time for, in the fan corner, a one-on-one interview with a new lucky fan each week. Wicked. Hi, this is Doris Herman, or Darcy from The Lounge. I'm here with our special guest, Steve Vander Ark from The Lexicon. Hi, Steve. How are you today? I'm just very well, thank you. Great. I really appreciate you um, allowing us to interview you for our fan interview. We know that you're probably one of Harry Potter's biggest fans and a great fan of J.K. Rowling. Um, I'm going to ask you straight off to just, can you tell us anything about the uh, RAB issue, or is that something that we're just not going to be able to talk about tonight? Well, um, I would I would love to be able to talk about it, but I really can't at the moment. Um, so I guess I'm going to have to leave it at that. That's fair. That's fair. But when you can, boy, I'm going to be... I'm going to be hounding yeah, you. Yeah, I think, I think there are a number of people who will not be thinking that that's fair, but unfortunately that's uh, that's the best I can do at the moment. Yeah, well, I really think that most people just trust your judgment. The Lexicon is such a respected place in Harry Potter fandom for people to come for information, and I think it's... Sure, uh, well, I appreciate that. We've had a lot of conversations with our staff about this, and that's one of the things we keep saying. We just hope that people... Um, we'll think about the, the, our track record as far as the things that we've done and, uh, how we've tried very, very hard to, uh, to maintain a certain level of, of quality and of, um, of integrity. And I, and we hope that they will keep that in mind when they look at this situation and judge us. Great. After you read book six, what were your kind of overall impressions? Oh, I, I absolutely loved it. I thought it was fantastic. Um, it, it was, it was, Better writing, 
than the last couple have been, uh, and I, and I'm, the last couple have been wonderful too. But this one was just she's just at the top of her game. It always amazes me how many tiny little plot threads, things which probably don't mean a whole lot, but she still manages to keep them going all the way through. Uh, she's just an amazingly talented uh, writer. And uh, this book, I just absolutely loved it. Of course, first time through, I absolutely loved it. But in the back of my brain, I kept thinking, oh, boy, I've got to write all this stuff down. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I heard Asphodel Wormwood, or Lori from our, from our site, told me that um, she had heard Jenny is your favorite character. After you, yes. After you read the book, how did you feel about Jenny's character and how she's changed? I don't think she's changed. Um, I think that Rowling has been telling us the story from Harry's point of view, and I think that she's very done a, done a very deft job of creating a character without us realizing it. I think that uh, Ginny has been developing behind the scenes, and we're, there were hints of it all along. Ginny has been developing into this very, very excellent character, and uh, I think that it just she just came out in, in full bloom in this book, which I thought was wonderful. I didn't feel like it was um, kind of tapped on and just suddenly got put in there as if Joe suddenly decided, well, let's, let's have something happen. Now, of course, there are those who would argue with me, including some of my own staff, but... <laughs> Well, you won't get an argument here. Most people choose a favorite character because they have characteristics that they admire. Um, what do you admire about Jenny? Um, I just think she's got a lot of spunk and a lot of spirit and a lot of style. And I think that if you read through, uh, especially book five, it, it, I, I really saw a lot of situations where Jenny was um, quite a um, fitting into the with Harry as quite a support uh for him, thinking of the library scene in particular. But I think, again, that, that's sort of built very nicely. And, again, I would get a big argument on that score with uh, certain people that I know. But <laughs> but you're not going to tell us who they are, are you? No, because I, I, I don't need to get into those arguments. <laughs> okay. All right, let's uh, move on to Snape. Good guy or bad guy? <laughs> I think he's disgusting scum. Uh, I think that, I mean, see, I'm a, I'm a teacher of what in the United States we call middle school, which is sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade, right in that area, which is the same age that Hermione was when she had that horrible curse hit her and make her teeth grow long. And Snape said, I see no difference, which to me, that was, that was the moment where that character, I, he's unredeemable at that point, because to treat a, a young teenage girl that way is just absolutely unacceptable. But the question of whether he's Dumbledore's man, in spite of what I would love to believe, I think he is actually very much Dumbledore's man. And I think that the single um, event in Book 6, which proves that more than anything, is the moment where... Dumbledore freezes Harry in place uh, underneath his cloak at the top of the tower. Because I think that um, Dumbledore at that point was relying on Harry very much. Uh, shortly before that, he had said, uh, in a, what to me was the most uh, amazing moment in the entire book, which was the moment when they were leaving the cave and... Uh, uh, up till now, book after book, time after time, the, the sentence has always been, well, we're safe because Dumbledore, you're, you're with Dumbledore. Uh, we're okay at Hogwarts because Dumbledore is there. Always that. Um, Harry said that over and over. Um, and Dumbledore said to Harry, I, I'll be okay because I'm with you. And that moment was the humongous turning point in that in the whole series. That's where Harry became the hero. If Dumbledore did not know what was likely to happen, 
There is no way that he would have frozen Harry on the spot. Harry was his, his not, I don't know, equal, but certainly his, his fellow warrior at that moment. Um, there's no way Dumbledore, being weak, would have frozen him on the spot. So that is why, unfortunately, I believe that Snape is indeed a good guy. But he's <laughs> awful. I do agree. He does seem to be Dumbledore's man, or at least in my heart. And I have a soft spot for him. Well, I have no soft spots for him whatsoever. I'll just tell you that. <laughs> okay, well, you're on record on that one. Um, I, I wanted to move on and ask oh, you yeah. about shipping. Not just about shipping in this book, but why do you think people <laughs> are so passionate about shipping? Why, why do we fight for our relationship? I have absolutely no idea. Um, no, no, seriously, I'm, I've, I've never been uh, somebody who, who's claimed a ship of my very own. I've, that isn't an area that I've gotten really into. Going along with the shipping, though, do you think that people tend to overanalyze these books? Our modcast last <laughs> week was all about overanalyzation. Do you think we do that? <laughs> um, well, yeah, uh, that's what we do. That's what fans do. That's part of the fun. Um, the, the trick is, of course, uh, finding that fine line between overanalyzing and uh, kind of stepping into areas where you make assumptions. And that's where it's kind of hard because one of the things that, that's hard to remember sometimes is that this story doesn't exist outside of the words that are on those pages. It, it doesn't exist. It, Hogwarts doesn't a real place, and, of course, we all know that. But, uh, for example... Uh, there is no mention in the books of anything ever happening on the sixth floor of Hogwarts. Well, most of us would like to assume that there is a sixth floor, but in a certain technical way of looking at it, there isn't. But we tend to think in terms of the fact that this all exists separately, even from Joe, and that she just happens to be somebody who's watching the story unfold and happens to be telling us about it, and we would love it if she was tell, tell us the bit she's leaving out. Well, you know, she doesn't necessarily have things worked out for the sixth floor of Hogwarts or, or what color somebody's eyes are, you know. And so um, it's kind of hard sometimes to kind of walk that road between, uh, this is sounds silly, the reality and the, and the, and the unreality of, of, uh, of a story like that. That being said, of course, part of the fun is to just overanalyze the heck out of it. I mean, I figured out that, uh, you know, Ottery St. Catchpole is located in Exeter, when, you know, anybody will tell you that they couldn't have taken a muggle taxi to London from Exeter, you know, but I've got this all worked out, so I do the same thing myself, and I think it's just great fun. Oh, I do too. Now, I know that you're a librarian. Do the students at your school tend to analyze the books to the magnitude that you do, or...? <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think most people analyze, overanalyze the books to the magnitude that I do. Most of them are, are quite taken aback if they actually visit the lexicon. They, they just have no idea that anybody has taken all this time and trouble to work this stuff out. So, uh, no, typically they like to talk to me about it, um, but uh, most of them um, read them as kids read them, which is to read it and enjoy it, and that's about it. Do they think you're just really cool to have this great website that, you know, thousands of people flock to for information on You know, Potter? most people, I, I don't know of anybody who actually thinks I'm really cool, but um, certainly not my own children. But, <laughs> I think <laughs> you're really yeah, cool. Thank you. <laughs> Generally speaking, if they do know about the website, it doesn't really, you know, they think it's cool and everything, but they don't. They don't really put it all together. I don't think most of them actually realize just how much time and effort I've put into this. That, that's true. So about your uh, website, the Lexicon, is there anything new in the future that we can look forward to? Any new additions? Uh, what happened right now, we always hit this, this little stretch after the new book 
where everything is all tied into to adding the new material. The lexicon really started, uh, the, the original kind of modest idea for the lexicon was simply lists of, of words and of things with very, very short definitions. And so... Um, we didn't. We weren't trying to be, or I wasn't. I was the only one writing at the time. I wasn't trying to necessarily be exhaustive in every entry. That, for example, uh, I, I just got an email today from someone who was asking why I didn't include every mention of. Oh, I forget which spell it was. And well, the reason, quite frankly, is when I wrote that entry four years ago, it wasn't my intention to include every reference to that spell, but simply to make sure that I told what it did. And so. Um, Michelle, for example, is now working her way through these what were originally simple lists of words and, and adding information, filling that information out. And so that's not really new sections and so, but you'll find that the, the lexicon is just getting kind of richer and more complete all the time. Now, that being said, there are a couple of new sections in the works. Um, I don't know whether I, I'm always a little bit hesitant to say anything about a new section until it's kind of ready to, to be to be brought out. Um one that I know is in the works, We've, I've got uh, a, a team of graphic artists we're working on redoing the entire Atlas section and making it a lot more interactive and a lot of fun. Um, so that's one thing that's happening. Uh, another thing that's happening is kind of connected with that. John, who's uh, our newest editor, has been he started working on a section which I had begun uh, but had never finished, and so it always kind of stayed, uh, no, there was never a link to it, which is called the Gazetteer, which is a, a whole section of a complete alphabetical listing of every location, every building, every uh, country uh, that's mentioned anywhere in the books. Belinda has had a few incredible ideas for, for kind of exciting, I, I don't know how to describe this without telling you what it is, I'm not going to tell you what it is, but kind of a fun way to explore the lexicon in a whole new way. Oh, come on. And so uh, Belinda has been working. She came up with that idea. You can give us a little sneak preview. You can tell <laughs> well, us. Well, again, this is something that I need to hire some or hire. Yeah, right, like anybody gets paid around here. Uh, I need to find somebody to do a little coding for me before we can do it. I've actually got most of the work done. I just need somebody to code the icon. What it's going to be is essentially um, a night bus kind of a tour. So uh, now I've kind of given that one away. Uh, Oh, that sounds really cool. Now, I know that you get to read a lot of essays. Have you heard any new interesting theories after this book has come out? That I'm going to say no, but not because there aren't any, because I know there are, but mostly because I haven't been reading essays lately. Um, we are trying very hard to get caught up on essays at the lexicon. I'm, I'm trying to find someone to become... Uh, an essay editor, somebody to uh, edit them and get them ready for publication. We have about a year's worth of essays backed up right now. Okay, we're going to do something that, um, I don't know if you've heard it or not, but it's called Live, in, Live or Die, and I'm going to just, oh, yeah, I'm just going to name a character, and I want you to tell me if uh -huh. you think they're going to live, live or die at the end of the series, and uh, are okay. you ready? Yeah, are you going to start with Dumbledore, because I have a really good answer Okay, well then there you go. I'm starting with Dumbledore, so how about Dumbledore? Well, die, it's already dead. <laughs> Okay. See, See? Well, See I win. There, you got that one right. <laughs> well, I think you got that Ask one right. Ask me about serious. Of course, there are those who would argue with me on that, too. Although, personally, I think that you want to hear my theory about Regulus. Uh, I think he's Stubby Boardman. So, anyway. Oh, wait. Can you tell me why you think he's Stubby Boardman? 
Now, come on, you have to give us information here. Well, just because it would be just so much fun. I mean, think of that stupid Quibbler story from book five. And I know I was not the only one who sat and read through that thing over and over, trying desperately to figure out what clue she was hiding in there. But, of course, I haven't actually sat down and tried to work out the timeline to find out if that's even possible. But that's my theory anyway. So if that turns out to be right, then, then I win the, you know, the $10,000. There you go. Okay, how about Neville? Ah, uh, Liv, definitely. Luna. Liv. Remus Lupin. Ooh, a bit shakier. Uh, <clears throat> and you know why? It's because I just wonder whether whether Joe's kind of dragged Harry through his take away everybody and everything that, that means anything to him phase, which was book five. And I just don't know whether she's going to go back there and take Lupin away from him. Although maybe Lupin isn't quite as uh, important to Harry, but I just think that... Uh, I think Lupin and, and, and Tonks are just going to get together, and it's going to be really pretty and everything. Yeah, I hope so. I hope to see a wedding there. Okay, next one is Tonks. Tonks, Liv. Draco. Uh, see, I'm not a big Draco fan either, but I have a feeling that Draco will probably uh, die. But I think he's probably going to die in some wonderfully heroic way. But I kind of wish he'd just die in some squirrely, awful way. But, you know, I don't get to win those kinds of things usually, so... Yeah, well, that's true. Mr. Weasley. Mr. Weasley? Mm-hmm. Oh, she better not touch any of the Weasleys. Okay, which Weasleys are you talking about? Because I'm willing to sacrifice Arthur, but you can get to a point where I'm not going to say that they're going to die because I'm going to get really mad. Okay, well, we'll start with Which Arthur. Weasleys? Mr.? Yes. Huh? Yeah, okay, he's going to live. Okay. Uh, Mrs. Weasley. She's going to live, too. She better. Percy. See, I, I, I kind of like Percy, actually, you know. I guess I think Percy's probably going to live. Okay, good. Uh, what about Snape? Die. Ron? Uh, definitely live. Hermione? Definitely live. Okay, your favorite character, Jenny. Oh, yeah. She and Harry are going to get married and go riding off into the sunset on a dragon. <gasps> okay, so I guess that answers Harry. You think he's going to live, Absolutely. Too? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But see, here's the trick. Everybody, well, not everybody, but I think a lot of us kind of assumed Dumbledore's, you know, was, was, was toast. But she did it in a way that she never could have guessed. And I think that the same thing will happen with Harry. I mean, I, there are all these lovely little ideas. Like, for instance, what is the magic that makes a person alive if they are in a picture or a painting? Will there be some point where a horcruxy kind of thing is going to happen and Harry is going to be like dying and we're going to find out that some piece of Harry in a good way is trapped in the pictures that uh, Colin took back in that painting that Dobby did and by putting all that together they'll be able to get Harry back from the brink of wherever it is just like Voldemort managed to come back from the brink you know. Well great thanks I, I appreciate you spending the time that you spent chatting with me tonight. Sure. And now, straight from the Leaky Lounge, this week's Modcast. Everyone will please not panic. Okay, hello everybody and welcome to this week's Modcast. I'm Chris Rankin. I've come back, I've hacked into the system, um, and I'm taking part in this week's Modcast, and I'm here with... Lady Stratford, uh, that's my forum name. My name is Erin Yesbeck. Uh, my name is Brooke Hendrickson, and my forum name is Alien Inc. And me, Laurie Damarell, um, on the forum known as Astrodale Wormwood. Well, this week has been rather a um, glamorous week for news, um, Pottercast and Mugglecast for that matter, 
have made it big in regards to uh, iTunes. Um, we were actually uh, noted to be uh, popular with uh, none other than Steve Jobs. 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 Shut up. <laughs> We're English. Leave us alone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we get away with things like this. So, yeah. So, it's pretty cool, really. I, I'm quite impressed by that. I, have to I say. am as well. Yeah. Because now you can buy the audiobooks on iTunes, which is great. Which is brilliant. Yeah, so I, I quite often, if I'm, if I'm having a late night or a really bad night sleeping, I'll stick Stephen Fry on and just yeah. listen to his, his little tunes. So is that a compliment that he puts you to sleep? Or <laughs> yes, it is. He's got, it a, is. Like that. He's got, a, he's got a very, um, you know, kind of bedtime reading voice. Yes. You know, like when your parents yeah. used to read books yeah. at bedtime. It's that kind of, you know. It's lovely. Are you sitting comfortably? <laughs> Actually, that's quite good. I'm quite impressed with that. Yeah. <laughs> so we were thinking of things that we'd like to talk about, and we've had some discussions with the different mods about the whole issue of Dumbledore's trusting in Snape, and just the different things that have gone on, maybe some foreshadowing in the books that not only should he not have trusted Snape, but maybe Dumbledore's trust instinct you know, we should question that. So what do you guys think about that? Um, it's something, it's, it's interesting. Whenever I talk to anybody about the book, this always comes up. It's it's a subject that everybody always brings up is the, <gasps> Dumbledore and Snape, dun dun dun, you know. Um, and everybody has different opinions. I spoke to somebody the other day who was convinced that Snape had not actually killed Dumbledore, that it was all... It was all um, it was all it was all an act, and he's not really dead, and he's going to come back. And uh, but I think she's deluded, to be quite honest. Um, <laughs> oh no, not the D word! <laughs> we know where that gets us. <laughs> well, yeah, it does um, become more complicated when you have the Dumbledore is not dead theories, because well, Dumbledore is dead. He is dead. They've had the funeral. He fell off the tower. If that wasn't enough to kill him, he would. And Vada Cadaver or Avrida Cadaver or whatever. He's been he's been zapped to smithereens, I think it is safe to, to put say. Put it politely. But do we do have the portrait of him. Yes. So he will still be there and he will still be able to talk to us, but we presume. And Joe isn't going to go through her book saying, Right, this is fact. This is fact. Right. Yeah. Because it doesn't make good reading. But well I think she also uh she writes it loosely like that, so that People who ha- who hold on to that hope that he may still be alive, and it's a possibility, and and it can live on in in fan fiction, say. But as for canon, I seriously doubt. He well, and she said on several occasions that death is death. Yes. Yes. And but then she's kind of taken it back. She's given it with one hand and taken it back with the other because we've got the whole thing with Sirius's mirror and what exactly. Is that going to play? And she's, she's very good at flirting with yeah. her fans, isn't she? she, she oh, has a yeah, that's one, a good word. Yes. Uh, she just, she just, yeah, she does. She flirts with us. <laughs> like, oh, well, he might be dead. Was Dumbledore crazy for trusting Snape? No. Um, no. Okay, why? Because Snape's a good guy. Oh, uh, somebody else besides Laurie weigh in on this one. Bye! Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm with Laurie on this one. Thank um, you. I'm I don't like Snape particularly. I think he's a, well, I think he's a brilliant character, but as a character, I don't like him. He is a but kid. To me, he's painful to read. He's painfully brilliant. He's. She wrote him so well, and to me, he's the deepest and the most complex mm. character of the series, mm. hands down. But it's just 
it's so awful to read what he does to Harry. You go, man, he's so well written, but I can't stand him. But, well, that is the but idea. But that doesn't mean he isn't a good guy, does it? Yes, that doesn't mean that. Just because he's. A in fact, I think it makes him even more interesting if yeah, he does turn out to be on the good side. Because, I mean, like I can't remember which character said it, but oh, I think it was Sirius that was not broken into Death Eaters and good people. There are shades of gray to everyone, and <laughs> while Snape, I think, is a very, very dark shade at the moment, I still don't think he's completely evil. But at the same time, why? Why is he? Why is he good? What? You know why? If he's been a Death Eater, why why do we believe he isn't? Because people change. Because Dumbledore said so. Yeah, we take Dumbledore's word. But I believe that people change, and we need someone who is truly forgiven and redeemed or what have you. And, yeah, it's an overuse. You know, people talk about Snape's redemption a lot. But someone needs to. I think it's a really... Redemption and forgiveness is a really wonderful thing. Yes. And I don't think... I I don't. Dumbledore was blindly trusting of anyone. I mean, he gave people no. chances, but no. he I and mean, he wasn't stupid. <laughs> and while he did give a second chance, he dissed him after uh, he met him the first time. And it's possible to me, and I, and I think that the reason that Dumbledore can say every time to every doubter. I think that, or, you know, I know that Snape is good, and he says it over and over and over again. And I think the reason that he can say that is that Dumbledore and Snape had an unbreakable vow. Yes, that's that's. So too. I'm I'm on that one. I don't know if there isn't an unbreakable vow, and Dumbledore still trusts him. That gives more to more credit to Snape. If there's no vow and Snape is still good, that that just that makes it's more true. To, it's more yeah. true to Snape. It's more true to him being good, and I'd rather believe that. Mm. He'd either mm. trust someone or he wouldn't. Yeah, but then... True. Snape probably never had faith from anybody. Nobody believed no. he'd be good or anything. So for someone to turn around and say, well, I have faith in you, I believe that you can do good, you know, it might sound, you know, cheesy or whatever, but I think it could have worked for Snape. So what proofs do you think that Snape offered that he was good? If he had just come in, don't you think every Death Eater would come in and say, hey, Dumbledore, I'm this being I'm killed by the I Dark Lord? No. Yes. No, they wouldn't. If they were working for the Dark Lord, why why aren't all of them spies? If all they had to do was come in and say, Dumbledore, I'm not working for for uh, Lord Voldemort, wouldn't they all be doing that? Didn't they all do that that said they were under the Imperius curse? They did. I there must be something more to it. I I'm I'm unsure about this unbreakable vow thing simply because it's because it's such a new phenomenon. Phen I can't even say that phenomenon. Phenomenon. <laughs> <laughs> one, one of them. Um, <laughs> I think we're kind. I think, as a sort of fan community, we're just kind of jumping to the assumptions all of a sudden that because because Snape has killed Dumbledore, and because we don't quite under we don't necessarily want to believe that he's a bad person and he did it because he didn't like Dumbledore. We want to believe for some reason he did it, and that is the most obvious, in my opinion, the most obvious sort of solution to the problem. Oh well. Dumbledore and Snape must have had a, made an unbreakable vow saying that if Dumbledore was ever close to death, Snape would save him agonizing hell and and all this. I think if if there was an unbreakable vow between Dumbledore and Snape, it would have been something along the lines of you have to do exactly or you have to do what I ask. Yes. From Dumbledore to Snape. So yes. he did help Harry. He did protect him. And if you look at the overall picture, he's always come through for Harry yes, in, some in way. a way, yeah. but it's never been 
he's never done everything that there you could do. He always stopped short. Yes. And it always cost Harry something. Yeah. Or, mm. But that's probably just something that Snape's got on his own. He's not going to do anything um, completely selflessly, and he's still got a lot. He's carrying a lot of emotional, you know, angst, as it were. I think um, harbored against James yeah. through Harry, possibly. He was, inc- he was incredibly jealous of James. Oh yeah. And Harry is. I mean, we've heard it said so many times, the spitting image of James. Yeah, and successful and popular in yes. his own right. Yes. He's, he's the boy who lives. And he's good. He's so good at what, at, 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 at you know, at all these different things. Yeah. You know, he's, he's, he's survived the Dark Lord how many times yeah. now? Yeah. He's got to be doing something right. Yeah. So I think that's part of Snape's thing, too, is he's he's wants to transfer that, that hatred of, of James onto Harry and try to belittle him. But at the same time, man, Harry's got a lot going for him too, and that's just got to be fueling the fire. So, where, how, how's if presuming, presuming Snape had some kind of agreement, be it an unbreakable vow or not, with Dumbledore to protect Harry? How, how's that going to kind of figure in the next book? Do we think? Because presumably now Snape's he's done a runner. Snape is a marked man from yeah. the from the Order of the Phoenix because. Uh, that was one thing. You just go, nobody in the Order of the Phoenix, after Dumbledore was gone, nobody stood up for Snape. I have to remind myself as the reader that the characters are looking at it from the perspective they don't know that it's going to end at the end of yes. book seven. No, they don't. As far as, they're cons- as far as the characters are concerned, they've got the rest of their life with this, essentially. Right. So, final thoughts on the subject? I think, I think Dumbledore had good reason to trust Snape. What it is, if I just had to randomly say something, I would say they had an unbreakable vow. Yes, I'm I'm with Aaron on this one. I I'm 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 not convinced about the unbreakable vow, but I do believe that Dumbledore had reason to trust Snape and that therefore we should trust Snape. Well then I think that about finishes wraps it up, shall we? Well, I'm Lady Stratford, or Aaron Yesbick, saying goodbye, and thank you for listening. Yeah, I'm Laurie Damrell saying, well, good night, as it is over here. <laughs> it's good morning, Laurie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I'm Chris Rankin, and I'll no doubt see you all again soon. And I'm Alion M. Parker, signing off for Mark. <laughs> did I miss something? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you did. You didn't listen to the last one, did you? Time to put on our Extendable Ears. Listen in on Potter Talk from the people making the magic. Welcome to this week's Extendable Ears. We have a short clip for you this week, but don't worry. In the next few weeks, this segment will be massive, and you'll see why soon. We'll explain at the end of the show. This week, our clip is again sponsored by Retrovision Magazine, which is putting out a huge Harry Potter news chronicle this month. Fan artist Alice Wack drew the front cover... You can get the magazine from darkcommandos.com, and we'll put that link up on pottercast.com for you after the show, so make sure you check it out. This week, we have a clip from our archives of Christopher Columbus, the director of the first two Harry Potter films, talking about his love for British settings and how it drew him to the movies, the actors he worked with that made it all come to life, and, of course, why he had to step away from the franchise. Enjoy. 
I was just, I was kind of mental, not physically, because I could physically, I could have gotten through another shoot, but I was mentally burnt out. You know, I was, I was basically able to, for the first month after finishing Harry Potter 1, I was able to come in and look at some ske- preliminary sketches and talk about casting a little bit and then, you know, learned a couple of chords on the guitar and that was a, that was a busy day for me. So my, so my brain waves started to, to work again and then, then I, you know, after about a month I was able to concentrate on doing something creative again, but I couldn't get back into that world. It just was an impossibility as a director. Some people have problems with the stories because they, you know, the children are empowered in these stories, and that makes a lot of people nervous. And I love the, that idea, the fact that as a kid, when you're confused and you don't really know what direction your life is going to take, that someone comes into your life and says, well, you're a wizard. You know, you, you've been living this incredibly dull, uh, kind of horrific, hideous, suburban existence all these years, and suddenly you realize that you're a wizard and you have a whole life of sort of hope and possibilities ahead of you and promise. And that to me is what, I mean, in terms of theme, uh, really uh, was the original, one of the original things that drew me to the Potter books. And it's a world I've been, I toyed with as a writer for years in the 80s, you know, doing movies like Gremlins and Goonies and Young Sherlock Holmes. And I think, I think Young Sherlock Holmes particularly was the thing that got me into the world, the, the thing that really triggered my love for, you know, I don't want to call myself an Anglophile, but I certainly was obsessed with the films of David Lean and uh, the, the obviously the Sherlock Holmes books and all anything, anything I could get my hand in terms of Dickens um, uh, and and that, that sense, that visual sense of Victorian England, I was always really, really uh, obsessed with it and I always wanted to do a movie set there so when Harry Potter the opportunity to do Harry Potter came up I felt it was a logical progression from my writing not from my directing as much it was it was my chance to uh, to do to direct the kind of film I'd been writing for years and that's what originally drew me to the project and uh, fantasy and science fiction and horror that's real that was really my background as a kid and those were the first types of films I started writing, so I felt that, it, you know, I, I sort of, bit, not unfairly, but because of the Home Alone pictures were successful and Mrs. Doubtfire was successful, I was, uh, you know, dubbed a comedy director. It's only because uh, because my, my real love, well, my real love lies in story. So what a, a story can be set anywhere. It can be set in a, you know, in a Western environment or it can be a film noir. It can be anything, really. It's, the story is my first love. Um these and these stories really touch me. I think there's a universal appeal to these stories because there's a certain sense of wish fulfillment for for kids. Sorcerer's Stone was made with a lot of um, there was a lot there was like a microscope on the production and uh, uh, a lot of pressure to be successful, a lot of pressure to please the fans, and a lot of pressure to make a movie that um, would be accessible to an audience and. Once that happened, once that that movie opened on that weekend, suddenly, you know, I felt an incredible burst of freedom, artistic freedom, and I was able to just be had a lot more fun making the movie and make more the type of movie I wanted to make the first time around on on Chamber with Chamber of Secrets. So, Chamber of Secrets is a more fair representation of the type of movie I was trying to do the first time around. I love Sorcerer's Stone because it really was the place where all of these kids, you know, gathered together for the first time. And it really became, more than anything, it became a sort of acting school for these 
these three kids, or really around seven or eight kids who, who still remain in the cast today. These, you know, the first two weeks on that film were basically getting the kids not to look into the camera and not to laugh. I mean, they were in a perpetual state of giddiness in, in the fact that they were, they were playing these roles, but a, a perpetual state of sort of awe, just being in awe of everything around them. And, uh, they were like all like little deers trapped in headlights. If you, if you re-edited the film in order, you could see the progression of them as actors. These are kids who really have come a long way and maintain their own sort of personal integrity through the course of making these films, which is, which is essential when you deal with Hollywood idiots like I do all the time and these people who these actors who really think just because they're acting that they they're truly special and when in fact they got they they just have a great job Oh Miles here Miles here Miles Great thanks Okay, welcome to this week's mailbag segment. I'm Melissa from Leaky, and this week's mailbag segment is going to be entirely taken up by your impersonations. Next week, we'll have a bigger mailbag segment answering your questions, but um, these were just too good not to devote a whole segment to it. So, once again, I'm Melissa, and I'm here with... Sue from Leaky. Hey, I'm Kristen from Leaky. And we are three not-very-technologically-savvy girls. (laughs) No. (laughs) That's an understatement. Yeah. So let's go. Do you guys have favorites to start with without saying who they are? Oh, of course. There are some good ones. We have very many talented readers. It's a little scary, actually. (laughs) Sue? Yes. No, I think there's some really good ones, but I don't have a favorite. I'm a Hufflepuff. That matters. I know. She's a Hufflepuff. (laughs) She's a very fair and good Hufflepuff. Our Sue. You're scary. You're so good, Sue. Y'all were great. Okay, well, then let's go to the first one. Are you ready? Yeah. Hi, this is Monica. I'm from Ohio, and I'm going to be imitating Lavender. Guess who won one? (laughs) (laughs) That gave gave me chills. I know, it did. Me too. When I when I and heard she's that, she's from Ohio too. I can't stand it. Oh, sounds like Sue's starting to have a favorite. No, 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 no. I just don't want to know that anyone from Ohio actually can whine like that. When I saw I'm that joking. somebody had sent in a wan wan, I I like like I ran to the computer <laughs> to see. Okay, number two. Hi, my name's Kim. I'm from Denver, Colorado. And the character that I'll be imitating is Creature. What would she say to old Creature? Oh, the shame of it. Mudbloods and werewolves and traitors and thieves. Poor old Creature. What can he do? Yeah, that was pretty good, actually. That was, wow. Sue? Kristen? That was fantastic. I loved it. I love how she started with Great job. <laughs> I know. Even using Seriously. his name. Seriously, guys, I don't know that I'm going to make it to the whole list without just cracking up every time. These are great. I, I know. Oh, it's, it's going to be hard. It gets better. <laughs> I've listened to them all. Yeah, have you guys? True. Have you guys not? You haven't listened to them yet, have you? Not, not, not all of them, but there's. Yeah, not all of them for me either. Okay, well then let's go right into number three. Okay. Hi, Pottercast. I hope it's okay to try again. 
My name is Courtney Coggin. I'm from Punta Gorda, Florida, and I will be impersonating the character of Hermione Granger. This quote kind of makes me sad after book six, but here it goes. Hang on a minute. We're forgetting one thing. Who's the one wizard Voldemort always feared? Dumbledore. There's always Dumbledore's around, Harry. You're safe. As long as Dumbledore's around, you can't be touched. Thank you. Okay, how jealous am I of anyone who can do a British accent? That was really. Yeah, that was quite a British. Sue? That was very good. I, you know. She sounds I mean, word for word from the movie. I know. Wow. And I'm. See, uh, I, hmm? I'm, from, I'm from Kentucky, and I can do a Kentucky <laughs> accent and a Tennessee yeah. accent. Which are all the same thing. Whenever I try to do a British accent, it comes out sounding like a southerner trying to do a British accent. And I'm from New York, so go figure. <laughs> all right. All right. So we're going to go number f- to number four. And this one carries a little warning with it. Just watch your ears near the end. Put your volume down. Just you'll see. Hi, I'm Brittany Forrester. I'm doing the impression of Morning Myrtle. I'm from Fremont, Ohio. I'm learning Marvel. But I'm expecting you to know me. I just talk about poor, ugly, miserable, moaning, moping, model. Okay, thank you. Kristen? Yeah. Uh, thanks, Brittany. I don't think my hearing will ever be the same again. <laughs> All right, you ready? Let's go on to number five. Okay. So, my name is Elizabeth, and I'm from St. Louis, Missouri. And I'm going to be impersonating Hermione. Well, obviously, she's feeling very fun because of Cedric dying. And I expect she's feeling confused because she likes Cedric and she likes Harry and she can't work out who she likes best. Then she'll be feeling guilty, thinking it's an insult to Cedric's memory to be kissing Harry at all. And she'll be worrying about what everyone else might say about her if she starts going out with Harry. And she probably can't look out what her feelings for Harry are anyway, because he was the one who was with Cedric when Cedric died, so that's all very mixed up and painful. Oh, and she's afraid she's going to be thrown off the Ravenclaw Quidditch team because she's been flying so badly. Thank you. Another wow. good job. Another good Hermione. It's a little bit more like, just like, like sort of, sort of deep and, and grown up. Yes. Again, still jealous of anyone who can do the British accent. But I love the I love the pacing. I love the well, you know, the whole the sort of cadence of the whole Hermione freakout speech about about Cho. All right, are we ready? Yeah. Hello, my name is Elizabeth, and I'm from St. Louis, Missouri, and I'm going to be impersonating Professor Trelawney. Good day, and welcome back to divination. I have, of course, been following your fortunes most carefully over the holidays, and I'm delighted to see that you have all returned to Hogwarts, as, of course, I knew you would. Thank you. Very good. That's like a young Trelawney. You know, this is getting heated. I I don't know how people are going to pick. And I know it sounds like they're all girls in here, but I promise there are a lot of guys. I just think they're all sort of heavy and loaded on our list. (laughs) Ooh, this is another one where you sort of have to just just watch your ears at the end. Let's let's forge on. Kimberly Rogers, San Antonio, Texas, imitating Bellatrix Lestrange. Never used an unforgivable curse before, have you, boy? You need to mean them, Potter. You need to really want to cause pain. 
to enjoy it. Righteous anger won't hurt me for long. I'll show you how it's done, shall I? I'll give you a lesson. Crucio! Enthusiastic. Does Bellatrix not suck? She's going to die, and I hope that it's... I really pray that it is Neville. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't think he'll do it maliciously, but I think that the time... All right, let's go right to our eighth. This is our eighth one. Now. Hi, my name is Ashley Harp. I'm from Atlanta, Georgia, and I'll be intimidating Professor Snape. So, the train wasn't good enough for the famous Harry Potter and his faithful sidekick, Weasley. Wanted to arrive with a bang, did we, boys? Silence. What have you done with the car? Thank you. Bye. I just gotta say, I love how at the end of all these, they're doing these in- intense, crazy, screaming impressions, and they go, thank you. <laughs> I know, they're so sweet. Like Snape would ever say that, you know? <laughs> right. I think he has the word thank you in his vocabulary. What did you think of that one, Kristen? I liked it. I mean, Snape was a little girly, obviously, because, you know, a girl was doing it. But it was very well done. Now, the next one, um, we got, I mean, I don't even know how many. I think we got something like 100 of these. And that's a lot, considering you're not only dealing with which listeners are willing to call, then you're dealing with which listeners are, are willing to do impersonations, and then which <laughs> listeners are willing to call and do impersonations and have their voices broadcast to this many people. So we, more than half, probably, were this quote from... Um, the, Ch- the Sorcerer's Stone movie, where Hermione, you know, if you two don't mind. But this one is the only one to do it this specific way, and I'll tell you why after. This is Ginevra Potter from Clarksville, Tennessee. I'm doing an impersonation of Hermione and Ron in the Sorcerer's Stone movie. I'm going to bed before either of you come up with another clever idea to get us killed, or worse, expelled. Shame needs to sort out her priorities. <laughs> That's good. That is awesome. She was, okay. the only one. she was the only one to do Ron. That's fantastic. And she's topping my list in part because I grew up near Clarksville, so I've been there many times. So, hey, Clarksville. That's good. It's a Tennessee girl, so that's good. Yeah. Hermione had a bit of a, a southern twang, but Ron. I thought Ron was yeah. spot on. That was good. I enjoyed it. Oh, we have a fun one next. Let's go. Okay. Hi, this is Laura from Michigan. And I'm going to be impersonating Dolores Umbridge. You have been exposed to some very irresponsible movies in this class. Very irresponsible indeed. Not to mention <laughs> extremely dangerous half-boots. <laughs> okay, that creeps me out just a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Sue? Uh, well, that was different. You know, there's. I think the other ones are good too, but it, it's Umbridge is such a. You know, she's got that sweet. You know that like yeah. sweet voice. You know that. You know, she's got that part. The the sweet mm. part down. It's nails it's, against a blackboard. It's very yeah. creepy. It is to think about that kind of person with that kind of voice. Creepy. I know. Okay. okay ne- next one. Yep. My name is Gina. I am from New York. And I'm going to impersonate Snape. Um, yes, it is easy to see that nearly six years of magical education have not been wasted on you, Potter. Ghosts are transparent. Thanks. Yeah. yeah ghosts <laughs> are transparent. That was that was pretty good. Yeah, that I was, thought that was pretty good. Yeah, it had a little bit, um, 
little bit of bite that transparent, you know? Yeah, a little bit more. Um, I don't know how to say the word right. Malevolence or malevolence. Know. Thank you. There you go. See, Way that's why they pay me. The, they pay me the big bucks. I write that word sometimes, even. Yeah. <laughs> you were so cool. Oh yeah, me and my vocab. Yeah. <laughs> 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 okay, let's just go on to the next one. Okay. okay. This is Libby Lewis. I'm from Kingston, Pennsylvania. Um, I'm wanting. I want to do the imper- an impersonation of Professor Umbridge, and here it goes. This is from book five. Mr. Potter, you have already lost your house ten points. Do not make matters worse for yourself. As I was saying, you have been informed that a certain dark wizard is at large once again. This is a lie. Thank you. Hmm. Her little thank you was not that different from Umbridge, and that worries me. Right. <laughs> oh, oh, no, 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 turn back. We just lost a reader. She's never listening to us again. Yeah. <laughs> that was excellent, though. That was a really good Umbridge. Let's go on. Number 13. Hi, my name is Jeff, and um, I'm from Seattle, Washington. And the character that I'm in- imitating is uh, Ollivander from the first Harry Potter movie. And here it is. After all, he must not be named did great things. Terrible, yes, but great. Okay, thanks. Bye. <laughs> that is definitely at the top of my list. I love that one. Creepy. What? It, that scene always sort of made me wonder <laughs> oh, about what Alvin is doing now. About. What do you think? Well, why did he get kidnapped or whatever by the Death Eaters in Book 6? I think he... Yeah, I think he either went off of his own volition so that he wouldn't be used or is quite the evil. No, I don't think he's evil. No? (laughs) No. I think he's hiding. Okay, so let's go to number 14. This is... I gotta say, it's one of my favorites. It's another one to watch watch your ears for. My name is Stephanie Barclay. I'm from Port Natchez, Texas. And I am impersonating Mrs. Weasley. Where have you been? Harry, how wonderful to see you, dear. Beds empty, no note, car gone. You could have died, you could have been seen. Of course, I'm not blaming you, Harry. Thank you. Wow. That was excellent. (laughs) I love that one. She's, that was good. Okay, Sue, this sounds like you when you get mad at your son, or what? What? What do you mean by that? She says in her fake British accent. No, not at all. Should we, should we get Andrew and ask him? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, yes, she grabs me all the time. Evil mommy, evil mommy. <laughs> okay, let's go on. This is number 50. Oh, this one doesn't have a name on the file, so I'll explain it. Her name is Carolina, and she is from Poland, and she is doing Luna Lovegood. Oh, look, he's lost the quaffle. Jenny took it from him. I do like her. She's very nice. Whoa. <laughs> that is out there. Wow. That is definitely at the top of my list. I love that one. That was really, you know, freaky cool. I liked it. That was good. She sounded like she actually was on another planet. Yeah. Cool. Oh. Very cool. Oh, oh, this oh, no. looks fun. <laughs> I oh <laughs> oh I know which one you're talking about. Okay, we ready? Yeah. yeah. Oh no. Robert Schweiger, Eugene, Oregon, Grarp. 
Who's stoned or something? Oh my god! Sue! Sorry. Sue no. wouldn't know. No, no, not at all. My Sue goodness. doesn't even know what that word means. Don't listen to her. Oh, evil Sue. Oh my god, that, I can't believe that. That was hilarious. Oh, oh dear. That was just so annoying, but hilarious. Hermie. Oh my goodness. I like that one. I can't, I can't. I've listened to it so many times. Oh, I like this. I like this next one too. Oh, okay. Hi, my name's Simon Stevenson, and I come from Stockton on Tees in the UK. And today I'll be doing an impression of Dobby. It is Dobby, sir. It is Dobby. He's been hoping and hoping to see Harry Potter, sir. And Harry Potter's come to see him, sir. Wow, that was good. Wow, was wasn't really that good? good? It was. I can't believe people. I can't believe the talent that's just hiding. In our audience there. I'm so glad I don't have to vote on this. I don't know how they're going to pick one. <laughs> I know. There's a That's reason. True. That was good. He sounded very good. That was <laughs> that was good. Yeah. Okay, next. This is a Hermione. It's a little... It's a little sad. But it's... I don't know. You'll, you'll see. It, okay, let's go. Hi, my name is Danielle Lumberg from New York, New York. I will be impersonating Hermione Granger... From the end of Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. He said to us once before that there was time to turn back if we wanted to. You've had time, haven't you? Oh, isn't it just, it gives me chills. Bumps me out, it makes me sad, but that was really good, but still, wow. You know, because it's totally how she would say it, just very, you know, resigned. Resigned. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> We bum Sue out. That's a job. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so little. Well, this next one, this next one is just really cherry, so I'm sure we'll bring it right back. Up. Very cherry. <laughs> Let's hear it. My name is Jamie Lee. I'm from Bellingham, Washington, USA, and I will be impersonating Lord Voldemort. <clears throat> That's it, Harry. There is no good and evil. There is only power, and those too weak to seek it. That was excellent. Creepy, but excellent. Wow. What do you think, Kristen? Voldemort's just such a happy guy. (laughs) Party on, dude, yeah. Picks your mood right (laughs) up, doesn't he? (laughs) Dude, I want to know how long he practiced that. That was really good. And what his mom said when he heard him, you know, walking by his room and he was going, There is only power. (laughs) Jesus, man. Okay. This last one is from, well, you'll see. My name is Ben Shane. I'm from Kansas. I'm 16 years of age, and I will be doing Ronald Weasley in Chamber of Secrets. Hold on. I can't. Your hands all sweaty. (laughs) Where do they find these people? (laughs) Oh, Kansas. <laughs> that was hilarious. That was good. Yeah, that Sweaty. was quite good. So he actually um, he put in two, but we only, you know we only picked one. Um, the other one was um, 
Oh, God, I don't remember now. <laughs> I don't remember. It was Ron from Sorcerer's Stone, and I don't remember what it was now. So we're going to cut this part out of the audio. But, Kristen, what would you think of that? Oh, that was great. I loved it. I loved that in the movie. It always cracks me up. Your hands all sweaty. <laughs> <laughs> it's a random line to put into a movie. Yeah. <laughs> I know. So, guys, okay, that was all 20. What do you think? What are your favorites? I love the Luna one. I think that's my favorite. Two. Wow. I, 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 I liked Mrs. Weasley for some strange reason, but um, <laughs> the girl from Florida and a couple of my uh, 1-1-1-1-1 is oh, pretty funny, God. too. Oh uh, yeah. Just that somebody would would remember that yeah, that's the one I have yeah. to do. One one. Yeah. one one. Well and the Dobby one was really good too. Yes, he he was very good. Grop. Oh God. <laughs> he gets his own special yeah. award. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. He's in a, just a, like a plan of his own over there. I think so. <laughs> but your hands all sweaty, I re- I mean it was quite good. It was. Yeah. There was an echo on it too for some bizarre reason that I enjoyed. But okay, so we clearly can't pick. That's why we're not going to. Ha ha. You all are going to pick. You go right after you're done listening to this podcast. You go to Pottercast.com and we'll have a nice big link that you can't miss to a list of all these impressions and a voting thing. However, our our programmer Nick is going to do it. So you will vote. We will decide who wins and we will see you next week for the answers. So for the first ever Pottercast impersonations contest, I'm Melissa from Leaky. And I'm Sue from Leaky. And I'm Kristen from Leaky. Bye, guys. We had fun. Thanks for calling. Here's the mail. It never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. That is it for this week's Pottercast. If you want to call and leave us a voicemail message, please do. The number is one four two five two nine six two four four five. That's one four two five by Magic with a K M A G I K. Or if you're in the UK, you can call us at zero two zero seven one nine three two eight seven two. That's zero two zero seven one nine three. 2872. Our email, as always, is staff at pottercast.com. And if you'd like to leave us a voicemail by sending us a file of yourself talking on our email, that is fine as well. You can also get us on the Skype name Pottercast. So I think that's it. I mean, is there any other way you can possibly get us? I, I, no. I'm here with John Noe. Hey, everybody. We're going to wrap up together this week. We're wrapping it up. Well, because I really wanted to talk to you. Yeah, well, we, we need to have a very often. No, we need to have a very serious conversation. Oh, we do. Okay, here yeah. it comes. How could you not know? Oh God. About Luna. I think what happened is that my book six actually was shipped without a few pages, mm-hmm. and I think those pages concluded that little bit about Luna. Well, here's what I, th- I think well, here's- it was a publishing error. Actually, my books actually are worth five thousand dollars. Story. <laughs> well, you know, I don't know, John. I thought I was hiring a Harry Potter fan. <laughs> sure, hey, your designs man. are pretty, but... Uh, you know, there's a reason I'm working for you guys and not Steve at the Lexicon. Steve at the Lexicon would make mincemeat out of you in a trivia composition. He would. Actually, him and I aren't talking right now. He's what? too embarrassed. He's too embarrassed to talk to me. So yeah, what else do we have to say next? Oh, next week, next week. Let's talk about let's talk about next week. So yeah, what, what happened week. this week is that this week's show was so good that we couldn't put it all in. 
yeah, we don't want to have you guys sit through too much awesomeness at once. Your brains might explode. Yeah. So, so yeah, so next week we have the beginning of a very special interview with Matt Lewis. Yes, Matt Lewis. i got to explain this a little bit because I interviewed Matt Lewis um, with a friend back in May of 2004. Where is this interview, you ask? I don't know. It's sitting on my computer because Leaky keeps me so busy that I haven't had the time to transcribe it and get it put up onto Leaky. Set report. Set report. Not my fault. Oh. Go call up your friendly Warner Brothers representative and tell him. So I said, you know what? Let's just do this over and do it on the podcast format, which is much more immediate, and it will get up on Leaky. It will get put in the podcast. So we got on the phone, and we spoke for over an hour. I have no idea how we're going to get this all onto this show. I'm going to have to edit it down a bit, and we're probably going to spread it over three broadcasts. Wow. It's Matt Lewis Mania. He is a very eloquent and sensitive and intelligent person, and he has a lot to say about Neville, and he's a huge Harry Potter fan, so it's always, it's always interesting having a conversation with him. Yeah, he's a good kid. Yeah. What I heard. Well, we have a tease. We have a little bit, a little bit to play for everybody. Right. Okay, okay, this is this is just a little a little a little droplet of what will be in the full Matt Lewis interview. Alright, let's hit the button. To be part of this during this time, I mean you're a big part of this phenomenon now. Do you ever realize what a big deal that is? Not really, not until you start reading all these, these things that, that fans do. Mm-hmm. And you just think these people really, really do, do care and they really, really makes you think, Wow, you're part of something that is really, really and people really do actually care about it. It's really amazing feeling. Do you think about that at all while you're filming? You know, it, it, not until recently as it sort of come. I mean, when we first got the part, I was just like, yeah, I know it's big, but not this big. But when you just see, I mean, for example, the sales of the fifth and sixth book, the fact that they've sold out before, like, that they've got, become thousands of sales before they've even released. Yeah. And it's just, you realise just how how amazing it is. And I, when I went on filming, I got to think, I have to get this right. I have to be what people imagine Neville to be because I don't want to ruin it for all these people because there are so many people that have a perfect idea and I've got to do that because it's <laughs> my job. And so I, it makes you work a lot harder and to get it perfect. I think fans will appreciate that. Well, I appreciate the fans as well. Such a good kid. They all are. Yeah, and we talked. We talked a lot. We talked a lot about God. We talked about everything about the books, about Neville, about Movie Five, about oh, oh yes, and he does do a little um, preview of what Neville with the broken nose will sound like. Neville with a broken nose. Oh, it's so. I, I he. I mean, just hearing it, hearing it from Neville's mouth, almost had me in tears. What? Does he fall down the stairs or something? Why the hell? John. What? No. I... Please tell me you're kidding. He gets elbowed by Hermione. <laughs> John! Start talking about her boobs. John, your job is hanging on a line right now. <laughs> <laughs> tell me. <laughs> tell me you know why Neville Snows is broken in book yes. five. Yes, he gets, um, doesn't he get kicked in the face? Something like that. It was one of the bad guys. One of the bad guys. Where? Um. In the in the, in the ministry. Okay. During during the fight, you get kicked by one of the death munchers. Everybody's John John's job has been saved. 
Yes. He hey. knows something about Harry Potter. I'm so relieved. So, before we go, we have to say a very special thank you. First of all, again, to Streamload.com for hosting us. They are fantastic. Yeah. Streamload.com for all your digital needs or your digital lifestyle or something. Um, get their tagline, right? Come on, what's their It tagline? is freedom for your digital lifestyle. Freedom for your digital lifestyle. And thank you very much to Chris Rankin for being such a great sport. Yeah, they are also not dating, FYI. Who's World. they? Melissa and Chris Rankin. Did people also not an item? Did people think we were? There was quite a few. Uh, uh, what do they call that? Rank cheese, I believe, is the name of this ship. <laughs> what? How did you not know about this? I did not know about this. Oh yeah. Harry Potter fans, listen. I I appreciate it. I it's very sweet that you are intent on pairing me up with somebody. Uh, th- thank you. I I will leave it at that. Yes. <laughs> Everybody knows I'm dating John. Yeah, we, we're trying to keep that on the down low. Yeah. Because she doesn't want it to hurt her reputation for dating such a unknowledgeable Harry Potter person. You ruined my rep. I know, she's not going to get any more interviews. That's all for this week. We'll see you next week. See you next week, everybody. We've missed it. Now. If you two don't mind, I'm going to bed. Great, Scott. No wonder. Look at the time. We've been here nearly four hours. Spooky how the time flies when one's having fun. (laughs) 